All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm Titus, your host today, and you know where you're at on the MVM show. And again, I am so excited to have another guest. I, You guys know I've been making an effort reaching out to people, and and uh, in fact, it just benefits me because I get to the privilege and honor to talk to all these different people and, and make relationships and have friends. So we have on the show today Brad Allen. Um, I'm going to let him tell you the details. I've I've watched his stuff for a long time. I've actually put his stuff out there on our channel. Like, hey, where do I go? You know, who do I look up to learn how to duck call? And I've always sent these videos over of Brad Allen. He owns, he's the owner of Elite Duck Calls. And Brad, uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. You bet, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's really a privilege and an honor. And I'm, I'm glad that you... Uh, just was so uh, gracious to come on the show. So can you just tell us about your background and a little bit about yourself or a lot about yourself, actually don't, don't hold back, but I'd like to hear the whole story and how things evolved and, and then we'll start digging deeper into some other things. <laughs> well, I'll try to hit the highlights. I don't want to put anybody <laughs> to sleep on your show. Um, man, duck hunting is just something that's been a uh, part of my life for, for years and years. Um, my dad uh, was uh, a farmer here in Arkansas, and so I didn't get to see much of my dad uh, during the spring and summer when he was working. The farm that he he worked was was quite a ways, probably an hour drive to work and then back to work for him. And, and being young, I didn't get to see a lot of him during the spring and summer. Uh, but in the winter, he was home a lot more, and he loved duck hunting. And so he, he started taking me. He took me for the first time when I was actually six. Um, you know, he would take me on the warmer days, um, and the blind that we hunted out of, he was able to, you know, keep it, keep it fairly warm in there. So I got to start at an early age, I think seeing over the, the wall of the blind to be able to shoot was my biggest challenge, but, um, you know, started there. And I, I think a lot of my love for duck hunting grew out of just my love of spending time with my dad. So finding those two things, man, I, I loved, I loved duck hunting from, from day one and, um, as it progressed, uh, 1988, uh, was the first year that I got to see a duck calling contest. They, uh, uh, they had the world championship duck calling contest here in Arkansas in Stuttgart. Uh, so dad took me down there in 1988. Remember we went hunting that morning and, and then went up and, and spent the day at the festival. And man, I was just mesmerized by it. I love watching the, listening to the calling. It was a totally different style of calling than I had ever heard, but Man, I love seeing all the call makers and the tents and just the whole show and going around to the different museums. Just enjoyed the entire festival there, and uh, we stayed. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to see who won the duck calling contest, and we stayed pretty late that night. Nearly froze to death doing it. Um, I think I drank my first cup of coffee that night, just trying <laughs> to stay warm. Um, but uh, after that, man, I just loved it, and it became a father son trip for us every year. We would go hunting in the morning and go to the world championship and um i never really thought about entering it i mean those guys were so good on a duck call and you know i loved calling i tried to learn from the guys that uh that my dad hunted with you know tried to pick up anything that i could but i knew i was not anywhere on the level of, of those guys um and then so i graduated high school 1992 my gosh i'm getting old uh and uh went to college i got my Got my degree, my master's degree in physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was in grad school, um, there was 
a gentleman who was a, a, a former world champion caller and and uh, had was he he owned a duck call business that was um, they had bought the club the hunting club that I grew up on it bordered my parents uh, property where I, the, my home so went did a little guiding for him and uh, was around it for a little while and and uh, I thought you know what I'm gonna I'm about to graduate school and I would love to try this, kind of pick this up as a hobby. And, and I want to, want to try to compete and see if I could learn how to do this. And, um, so anyway, I went and watched the world that year with a little bit more, a little bit more purpose trying to pick up on what, what people were doing. And that was 1997. And the winner that year was Rick Dunn, who is the mm-hmm. owner maker of echo duck calls. I didn't know that at the time, I had no idea who any of these people were, mm-hmm. But Rick won the world championship, and so I started looking into, you know, reading about his win and saw where he made duck calls. And so I called him and said, "Hey, man, I would like for you to make me a duck call. I'm, I want to try to compete." Um, and so he did, um, and uh, bought the call, and he invited me to come and practice with uh, some of the guys that uh, that like to compete. Competed on on his his team of callers, and I went down and learned from. Um, so I mean, how lucky can a guy be? You decide right. you want something for a hobby, and your first te- your first teacher is the current world champion right. of whatever you're wanting to learn. You know, that's awesome. So um, uh, learned from him, and and uh, had the had the privilege of learning from him. Learned probably more from him than anybody. And then uh, as years went on, had some other guys that uh, were gracious enough to work with me. I worked with some with. Uh, Bernie Boyle, who has uh, passed away now, he is a world champion, champion of champions. Trey Crawford, three-time world champion, champion of champions. Uh, Butch Richenbach, who's the founder of Rich and Tone, which Butch has passed away a few years ago. Um, got to learn so much from him. So, man, I was so lucky that I got to learn from the absolute best in the business. And um, it took me – I was not a very quick learner. It took me a while to uh, – took me a while to master it and to uh, – uh, to compete, I, I was qualified and entered the world like ten years before I finally won my first world championship mm-hmm. in 2010, and then uh, I was blessed enough to win another one in 2012. And then um, at the beginning of 2013, I started uh, jumping into uh, making my own duck calls. I thought I'll give that a try and see if I could. You know, I thought it would just be fun to make a call that mm-hmm. I really like, mm-hmm. make something the perfect call for me myself um so i started making elite duck calls and then uh blessed to win the world championship again in 2013 so and then um it just the business just grew man i was a physical therapist and working in town love physical therapy it's a great job but um i got really busy making duck calls and finally got to a point where it was like i'm either going to do this or just keep doing it for a hobby so uh, walked away from doing physical therapy. I still keep my license up, but I do uh, duck calls full time. So that's pretty much where I am now. Wow. <clears throat> so three time world champion. And I'm curious, did you win uh, in that 2013? Did you win with your call? No, I didn't start making a competition call. Uh, okay. I started in hunting calls. I, I do make a, comp- a competition call now. Um, but at the time I was not making a, a competition call. So gotcha. I was, was making, I, I won the world championship. I won 2010 with an acrylic call that, uh, Butch Richenbach had handmade for me. And wow. then, um, 
it was kind of a funny, it's kind of a funny story too. They, there was a material, uh, it was a Westinghouse micarta uh, material that was used to make calls a lot, like seventies, uh, maybe early eighties, um, that a lot of the call makers use, especially for competitive calls. Now you can still buy micarta now, but it's not the exact same material that they would get back at, at, at that time. You can't find that same, the, that exact same material anymore. And I got my hands on a couple of pieces of it. A guy told me, he said, man, I, you know, guy found, it's kind of like a friend of a friend found this stuff and it's the original micarta. Um, it, there were two pieces, not big enough to make a whole call, couldn't make a barrel out of, but it was big enough to make an insert. So I had to, uh, I, I talked to, to Butch to, to get him to turn it for me. And, um, one of the one of the blanks that was cut from it um, messed up, so it was wasn't going to work. But the second piece made a good blank, and then he was going to uh, cut it on his jig and and try to take measurements from the call that I'd won the world with in 2010. And so he made me an insert from that, and mm. uh, I blew the call, and I liked that, so I actually won the world championship in 12 and 13 with that call. Oh wow, that's and that's a neat history to have behind that too. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really enjoyed it because I felt like I was the only guy that had a modern version of the competition call. You know, modern being from probably the early '80s to um, early to mid '80s to then jumping ahead to you know to 2012. You know, all the the changes that had been made in the in the competition calls. You know, I had the most modern version of that made out of that material. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was, it was cool to have it and to have Butch be the one that made it. It was really right. funny. You know, I paid like 750 bucks for this, this material. And mm. Butch was, he, when he had that one blank, it, it's kind of like it made him nervous. And he said, man, I said, Brad, I just don't know if I want to do this. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, he said, you know how, you know, competition calls this, this thing, I may make this call and it may not, may not sound right. It may not be as good as your other call. And I said, Butch, man, do it. Just relax. If you make a great sounding call, if this thing fits me and I can take it on stage, then I said, that would be awesome. And I said, if it doesn't fit, worst case scenario, I've got a call in my collection because I do collect calls and cut by Butch Richenbach out of my carta, which is going to be a prize of my collection. So just relax and cut it, man. It's a no, it's a no lose situation for me. So, um, but it was so funny. He was so proud when he cut that call. He was, uh, he cut it, handed it to me. I blew it. And I'm like, well, you know, I wish you could do one little thing here. He said, give it back to me. He took it. He filed on it for a minute and he handed it back and I blew it. And I thought, man, that sounds good. And I blew a routine. And when I turned around and saw his face, he was just kicked back, reclined with his hands locked behind his head, just <laughs> grinning from ear to ear, you know? So <laughs> he was very, he was very proud of the call. And I think he enjoyed, he enjoyed the fact that I used that call and was able to win with that too. Wow. Oh, I bet. I mean, what a satisfying feeling that you took something like that and made that. I just, that the skill in that, I don't even I honestly comprehend or know how these guys do it, but it's so impressive and interesting to me. I love hearing. It. I think it'd be a good time to roll in right into now that you make you've made your calls for a long time now, and you've seen guys that have done it for years and years. I'm sure you sat there and watched them and how they meticulous they are. I'd like to dive deeper into like, well, 
the compet- well, let's do the calling late. Like as far as uh, making a call later, I'd like to hear some more about that. But let's dive into competition, like deep dive into competition and the prep that it takes for that and the sounds you're listening for. I mean, I know there's a lot there and there's probably questions I don't even know how to ask because I've never done that. So is there, well, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, the competitive calling and there's, you know, there's, there's a couple different styles of competitive calling. You have what we've nicknamed main street. We call it that because that's, that's where you compete. Actually, it's on the main street in Stuttgart. Uh, where they have the stage and you're you're blowing your routines during the contest and so it's it's nicknamed main street style main street style gets a bad rap in a lot of ways um it's not based on like 100 realism you know it's kind of evolved over the years and um a lot of the like the hail calls the comeback calls what we would refer to as the top end of the call uh, is a, you're, you're blowing a loud ringing sound. Uh, the duck calls that I won the world championships with, they've never seen the inside of a duck blind. Um, and it's kind of gotten a bad rap. It's mainly about control of the call. You're pushing that call to its limit on your top end, your low end, everything for 90 seconds. And you're showing your mastery of the call. And, some people hear that and they think, oh, man, that guy couldn't blow a duck call. That In, in my blind, I mean, that, that would scare a duck away. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of people. There's there's some guys from uh, Louisiana that uh, they're, they're very good at TV shows and very good at growing facial hair that have been very critical of uh, stage calling. And it's kind of given it somewhat of a bad rap. But I promise you, those guys that are ringing that call on stage, they can really make a hunting call talk as well. Mm. Um uh, and there's there's also uh, competitions that um, have kind of got nicknamed like meat calling, like a hunting style calling, mm-hmm. where you actually go through a routine just like you do on the uh, on the main street style. But it's you're using a hunting call; it's for realism. You know, you're blowing it just mm-hmm. like you would blowing it in a blind. And then they have a a live duck style, which is really just ultra realism. You're trying to sound just like live ducks, you know, there's no ringing on top. There's nothing like that. Um, and there's, so there's that style of competition as well. So, um, if you don't like listening to the main street style, or if you're interested in getting competition, maybe you don't do main street, but you could look at, uh, doing some live ducks, some hunting style stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, I like to listen to, as far as, like you said, realism, I do enjoy the live duck calling, but like you said, the competition, if, you know that's what it is, then that's just what it is, right? Like, I know, like you said, people are thinking, oh, it's it's that's not what a duck does. Well, we eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. Including Calorie Smart Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bite and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. 
After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I think every, if you've dug kind of any amount of time, we all know that. The point is the competition, seeing what the call can handle. How Do you know the history and how that actually started, like those kind of competitions? I mean, you said it evolved over the years, but like when was, maybe you don't know the details of the first one, but I'm curious like how that came about, you know, doing that style. The story was, uh, and I'd have to look and see when the first real competition started i was wanting to think it was like in the 40s but i may be i may be wrong there it may even be earlier than that um but the way it started the um it it was basically some some guys who were kind of having a discussion about whose whose hunting guide was the best duck caller mm-hmm. and so they threw this little makeshift contest together and they bought a hunting coat a hunting jacket from uh the gentleman that it now has evolved into max prairie wings store is is this is the story when it was very a very small you know just a small store there in town and um they they bought this hunting jacket to be the, the first prize and they elected some people to be judges and they had them a little duck calling contest right there on the street and uh, that the first one and this is the 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 festival in stuttgart is the old it's the oldest um the oldest running festival in the south um so it started there and someone's like well let's just start doing this every year and it just it just evolved from there into this uh this giant festival that they have that they have every year now it's uh it's pretty cool but it started that simple wow which totally makes sense, you know, duck hunters competitive, <laughs> trying to do something like that. <clears throat> now, when you grab a duck call, you had mentioned something earlier saying about, oh, can, I wanted to do this, can, and he grabbed it and did a little more. What, in that situation, what were you looking for? What did you not hear that you wanted to hear? I'm, I'm curious. I'm actually trying to remember exactly uh what it was i don't know if it was maybe just a little bit harder to push he might have just lightened the call up just a little bit or um i I don't know if it was something to you know where it wasn't ringing quite to where i wanted it on the top end so maybe he just opened that call up just a little bit it was probably something like that i don't remember just exactly what it was but i know it was a very slight very slight adjustment it didn't you know i think he just sanded that tone board just a little bit and uh i think he probably opened it up a little bit where i could get just a little bit more of a, a top end a little bit of a better ring on top but it was a it was a it was very close where it was and just a slight adjustment made it perfect now you have to explain this to somebody that you know 
just calls for hunting and and I may sound stupid, you know, and some people that are listening that actually compete and stuff like that will maybe roll their eyes, but explain to like you're explaining to your, maybe a 10 and 12 year old when you grab a competition call because there's people that are interested in and possibly getting into that people have messaged me hey do have some more people on that do competition and calling and stuff like that what are you looking for i mean i'm assuming you would start getting your own style and stuff like that but at the same time i know you you've got to stay in this this category of um what you guys call your your uh oh what do you call it you just said the word night. I don't know why I'm half asleep in my late night, but um, what do you say? Oh, when you do your uh, your 90 seconds. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe I can't even think what that's Routine. Yeah, routine. So when you do your re- routine, is there an unspoken rule about what needs to be in that routine and how it needs to start and finish, or do you create that individually? No, it's a – well – it's a set routine um, uh, as far as what the mandatory calls are. Um, and then you get to put a little bit of your own style into it, but it's basically what you're doing is you're, you're painting a picture for the judges. All the callers are going through the same scenario. And that scenario is that you see ducks in the distance. So you start off with hail calls to get their attention and then the ducks come to you and then you're going to blow some shorter cadences which would be more like what you would really be blowing at the ducks whenever you're hunting. Most of the time we're not blowing super mm-hmm. hard calls unless we're out in a rice field or an open area. And we really are trying to bring ducks in from a, a distance, either, you know, either being high or, or more of a horizontal uh, distance from us. Um, so those are the, the greeting calls, you know, more simple cadences. So you start off with a hail call and then you blow some greeting calls and the ducks are getting closer and you start blowing some feed call you're about to land these ducks mm-hmm. but something goes wrong and when it goes wrong you're losing them so then you have to blow a comeback call to get them to come in and you're successful in your comeback call so they come back you greet to them again you go into the feed call and then you blow the the mating call or just the the lonesome hen just a, a series of quacks and then a little short soft cadence to to close it out that's the scenario that mm. and that's the that you're painting for the judges gotcha now when you grab a call i was i was trying not to ask two questions in one there that's exactly you answered the the one i had perfectly <clears throat> the other one i kind of had that I was one asked too is when you grab a call what is it is it just the way you blow? So obviously we we can all blow the same call and it all sound differently. But what are you looking for when you grab a call? What do you want to hear? What do you like? Is it all about feel? Well, that's a lot of it. I mean, it's different for a competition call versus what I'm looking for in my hunting call. But um, on a competition call, the first thing I'm going to check is the top end. I'll make sure that I can ring that call. And I want it to be very powerful on top. I want to have a good, clear sound. Um, I want the I want it to have a pure sound on top, where it's not too raspy on the top. It's, it sounds more like you know, clean as a bell, but has a good, powerful sound on top. Uh, and then I'll turn around and I'll work through the low end, make uh, blow some greeting calls, and make sure that there's some real duck there too. You know, um, when you're blowing a, a contest call it's give and take when you when you make a call 
on top end versus low end with a with a you know, I'm talking about the main street style call here. Mm. You're you can the more pure the top end is, the better the ring, the cleaner the sound on top, then the less duck sound, the less raspiness and true duck sounds that you're gonna have on the low end. So you have to be able to find that sweet spot where I've got that great top end, but at the same time, I've got good duck sounds on the bottom. So when I get into the low end and I'm doing the the greeting calls and the feed call, that I can impress the judges with some really good ducky sounds there too. So mm. it's give and take, and you have to you have to find that perfect setting on that call that will that you can do both and um, you know have it have it balanced enough that you can impress the judges both on top and bottom. Mm. Yeah, that, man, it makes me want to go listen to some some uh, of your videos right now. Do you have any of your your competitions on your YouTube channel? I, don't, I guess I've never looked and seen for that. No, I haven't put any of my competitions up myself, but if you Google or if you if you search on YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, my name or competitive calling or go to the years that I won, um, then those routines are there. Um, one of the ones that probably the most viewed, uh, my good friend and uh, for a fellow world champion, David St. John, uh, David and I have got a long history together. We've been friends for a long time. We When we were trying to win our first championships and getting qualified for the world, we traveled together. You know, to enter the world, you can't just show up and enter the world championship. You have to win a qualifying contest, either a state or a regional contest somewhere else. And David and I traveled all over this country, duck calling contests, getting qualified, going to the world, trying to win. And then, you know, it was funny. We, we kind of started together and scratched our way to the top. And then he and I set a record for the longest uh, contest, uh, I, I guess, ever up there at Stuttgart. We we tied, let's see, we tied, um, let's see, one, two, I guess three times. We, you know, normally you blow three rounds, so you have to blow three mandatory routines to win. And then if there's ties, you come back and you blow another round for a tiebreaker. But we had to blow three tiebreaking rounds. Wow. Um, to see who won. And we didn't know that we knew we were tied, but we didn't know for what place. Um, wow. so we, I think it was like a six hour and something contest. It was the longest one oh. ever blew six rounds. And um, luckily for me, David, unfortunately for him, he hit a little bobble in his third routine. If he hadn't have, I think we'd still be there because <laughs> the judges, the judges could not decide between the two of us. So that was wow. like the tough contest ever. And, um, like I said, that and that one, you know, is, is on YouTube for everybody to to hear. Um, uh, so it was uh, that. That What's was quite. A, I'm now curious. I'm gonna. I'm sure everybody else. Too. What would you? Uh, which one is that again? Who's? I want to make sure I find that one when I look it up. That was the last one. That was to. Uh, that was 2013. So Brad, what Brad Allen 2013 World. Yeah. And you probably pulled that up, huh? Yeah, and you're gonna hear with David St. John. You know, David just like I said. It, unfortunately for him, he did. He had a little bobble in that last round, but David is just an exceptional duck caller too. So oh, da- David, uh, David St. John. Oh yeah, and they even got the third round on here too on uh, callingducks.com. Yeah, so that's eight years ago. 132,000 views on that first one. So if you guys, I just typed in Brad Allen 2013 World. Championship duck calling contest, and then it says Brad Allen versus Dave. 
Okay. I'm watching that after this episode. Now I got to hear it. <laughs> that's cool. Wow. That's, uh, that's intense. I mean, like you said, all it was is a bobble. I mean, it really at that point, if you guys sound that close, it's all just who makes the first little mistake at all. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. when you're going to someone like David, David, it's very rare for him to make any kind of a mistake. Uh, so that was a, uh, the lucky break, I guess, for me. Um, but like I said, that that guy, he's he's just an exceptional caller. He's he's really something and mm. a great friend. That's neat. That's neat too. And that you guys can have the competition like that and and have that relationship. That's pretty cool. So, what goes into the prep for a competition? I mean, is that you? You've got to be calling all the time. But I mean, like once you know, like okay, this competition's coming up. It's six months away. What is the process leading up to that? Well, you got, if you really want to be successful at it, it's just like anything. I mean, you, you've got to put that, that time in and these, you know, all of us, all the competitors want to win that world so bad. And you, you got to know what you're up against, you know, I mean, when you, it's not like you've got someone that's just a outstanding clear cut, winner that no one else can beat i mean every year it is it is a scrap between some really great callers and so you, you the first thing you have, you have to start building up your air and believe it or not this is what a lot of people don't understand when i pick up a call and i'm like okay i've got a big contest coming up here in a couple of months or whatever and i'm gonna start getting ready the first thing that you have to build up is actually your lips mm. because you are holding so much air pressure back that once your the muscles in your in your mouth and your lips get tired, you'll actually start leaking air out the side of your mouth. That's not something you're going to experience in, with a hunting call, but when you're pushing something as hard as you are a competition call, you have to build those muscles up to be able to hold that pressure back. And you have to obviously you have to build up your your air as well. And the the best way to do that is just keep blowing routines and blowing routines and and you know just like anything else, you're going to build up to it over time. Uh, you don't want to be struggling for air. You know, you got a 90 second routine that you got to get through. Um, and typically for me, I'm getting ready for a contest or I was, I'm, you know, that's, that's kind of something that's in the past for me now, but, um, you know, after you win the world three times, you're not, you're not blown anymore that you, they mm. kind of make as men of you at that time. So, um, but I would always tell myself every day when I'm in full practice mode, that I'm going to record and I would just record it on my phone. I'm going to record 10 routines, perfect routines a day. And if I record one and I make a bobble, make a mistake, that one doesn't count. I have to do yeah. another one. So I want to have 10 routines per day recorded. And then when I was driving to work or whatever, I'm in my truck, then I can listen back to that routine and nitpick it, you know, see, was there anything that, that I heard that didn't sound right or anything maybe I could do better. I try to judge it as a judge is going to listen to it, uh, to try to perfect it, you know, and that really came in handy when David and I had to both six, you know, six routes. Yeah. You, you've got to be in shape and you got to be ready to get off that stage and then get back up there pretty soon and blow another round and try to blow it as strong as you did your first. Mm. How much time would you spend every day working on, um, blowing the calls and getting used to it? Do you think? Oh, I don't know. It's hard to, uh, man, it's hard to say. Um, typically, I don't know. I mean, each, each routine is a, is a 90 second routine, mm -hmm. you know, 
blowing at least 10 of those. And sometimes after I finished routines, like even after I, I was tired, like if my lips got real tired, I wouldn't blow the low end, but I might just sit there and work on my, or excuse me, wouldn't blow the high end anymore. Cause you know, the lips were pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I would just work on the, on the low end and stuff like that. But, um, man, I don't know. I'd say at least, at least an hour a day is just dedicated to, to work was to working on calls at, at some point. Um, I was really lucky because I, um, when I was really competing hard, I was, I was a single guy. So I would come home from work and I didn't have to worry about my, my wife wanting to stab me in the neck for <laughs> going duck call in the uh-huh. house. Like I do now. Um, so, <laughs> I, or I had more time. A lot of times I would, uh, I would just go in the living room and, uh, turn on a turn on a ball game or something, and every commercial I would get up and blow a routine, record it, listen back to it, and then sit back down, watch a little more TV commercial come on. I would get up and blow another routine, listen back to it, and I would do that over the course of the night, which gives you a little bit of a rest, but not too long. It's similar to a contest where you know you're having to blow a routine, then you have to wait on the judge's decision. You know, let let the other competitors go, and then get a judge's decision mm-hmm. who's coming the next round and then get up there and blow. So that was always a pretty good way of practicing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So t- key takeaway from this, don't be married and be in a competition calling contest too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My wife always gives me the hardest time of the, you know, like probably like mid summer, I just really start getting warmed up for the season again. And it's funny now because, you know, my friends are saying the same thing. The wives are all getting mad and grouchy. But, no, it's all it's all good fun. But um, so that's – wow, that was great. I mean, I feel like you really went into the, the details of everything. And if anybody's out there listening that's interested in doing that, that they definitely have a, a good foundation to base that off of. I mean, um, we obviously have our competitions, you know, in the Sac Valley and stuff. But – I mean, nowhere near the the back. I, I, at least I don't think. And you know, there may be some California listeners like, "Hey, we have the background too." But I, I would say we would all agree that everything originated right down there in Stuttgart. I mean, that's just that's just how it's been, and we know about that. So it's great to hear the background, the prep, the competition, what it takes. It, like you said, to be the best. I mean, you've got to treat it just like any other sport or anything you do you got to spend the time and the hours and the the pain and the build-up and the and the the losses and all that stuff you know it's all part of it so it's good to hear about that so you you won the three world championships and somewhere in there you I can't remember exactly what year you said but you started your own business and did that is that something you always wanted to do or did that come about because you won the worlds and you knew what you wanted in a duck call and you knew you had some background in history and that you could be successful in that how'd that all come about yeah i mean i always been fascinated with it but um yeah i, I really didn't think about making my own call until uh, i had won my second world championship and that's when i thought you know i can this is an opportunity it's a it's an open door now if I want to do it, I never really thought about doing it before. I was so obsessed with just learning to blow the duck call. I didn't really look at, uh, at making them, but I thought, man, this is an opportunity. And also realizing how much of my life was consumed by duck calling competitively and knowing that that was going to come to an end, you know, it was either going to come to an end, uh, the perfect way that it did by winning my third worlds, which mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for, or, 
you know, at, over time is just going to be something that's going to get a little bit older and, and retire from doing. And I wanted something to continue with that. So it was just fun, man. I thought, you know, every duck call out there that I blow is, you know, for hunting, especially, um, I think, man, I love this call, but I wish it was just slightly raspier or mm. I wish it a little more back pressure. Or There was always one little thing that I wanted that wasn't there. And I thought, man, this is an opportunity. If nothing else, I can make a call that I say, this is it, man. This is the one. This is what I like. Um, and then and I'll see if, if other people like it as well. So that, that started doing that. And it just, I, you know... One thing maybe that made me, you know, pretty good at competition. I don't think it was natural talent as far as blowing the call. I think it was just that I'm I'm an obsessive guy. When mm. I get when I get started on something, I just get obsessed with mm. it, you know. And, um, so I I gave up that obsession and kind of went from from competitive calling and rolled into a totally different obsession with <laughs> trying to make the perfect call and and um making something that other hunters enjoy and want to use now. And I, and I absolutely, I absolutely love it. And, and even now I'll start working on a call and I start thinking about something I want to do. And like, I have trouble sleeping at night sometimes yeah. thinking about, well, what, what could I do to, you know, like if I'm struggling, like I just want to do just to change that just a slight bit. So what would I do to, to do that? And I'll find myself having trouble sleeping the night before mm-hmm. trying to the solution, you know? So it's definitely, definitely obsessive, uh, yeah trait that i had it's a shame that i didn't i didn't devote that to something a lot more important than quacking like a duck but that's that's what i got hey i hey i ain't judging i think that's a great thing to put that into (laughs) here's the thing like we talked yesterday you wake up every morning and you enjoy going into work who doesn't want a job like that that's the dream job i mean you know yeah it's it's a blessing i'm i'm very uh yeah i thank god everybody (laughs) I get to do what I do. And, uh, and that's the fun thing about being a call maker. It, it cuts into, you know, a lot of, I, I joke around, you know, if you want something that'll cut into your duck hunting, start making duck calls for a living because it will affect the amount of time that you get to spend in the field. Or when you are out there hunting, you've got to, you know, when you get back, you don't just get to go home and kick up and, you know, eat some warm soup and take a nap and just chill like you, like you used to. I've got to get back to the shop and I've got to get some calls tuned. I'm going to have customers coming in to get calls tuned, buy new calls. But I love that. You know, it's, it, it may take away from my hunting a little bit, but I get to be a small part of so many other people's hunting experience Mm -hmm. and you get to talk to other hunters and you know the guys that really like our call that are using our call or if they need some help in some way that i can help them and make their duck season a little bit better that's just man what a blessing that yeah. is such a privilege to have and i'm so grateful for that yeah 100 percent. that's 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 awesome i there's that's just what everybody's dream is to do something they love every single day now what exactly is let's go over a few things in the middle of this and if you guys are enjoying this podcast please rate and review it on apple Podcasts. if you listen on spotify you can go in there and rate the podcast and go check out brad allen's instagram page elite duck calls uh he's got the, the it's basically the red background with the elite duck calls on there check him out on instagram um also your podcast outdoor asylum right if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah we have a podcast um 
and I don't think I've probably done as good of a job with uh, with mine as you have. Where our consistencies are trouble because we get so busy around the mm-hmm. shop. We we've been we'll we'll get to we'll do several podcasts for for a few weeks, and we get busy and we'll we'll kind of put it off for a little while. So consistency's been our our problem, but uh, we've got some great episodes on there, and we're going to get kicked up. Uh, doing some more here pretty soon uh but uh, there's a lot of great podcasts with some other uh guys in competitive calling and some of the best guys in the industry so uh yeah check that out yeah you guys will love it and enjoy it um i've listened to listen to my, myself as well and it's it's a good time a great guest on there and where exactly if anybody's ever traveling or are around there where is your shop at is it in stuttgart no, we're uh, we're about an hour, roughly hour and twenty minutes, hour and a half from Stuttgart. We are in Searcy, Arkansas, um, uh, spelled S E A R C Y, Searcy, Arkansas. We're about we're about an hour, um, an hour east northeast of uh, Little Rock. Okay, okay, yeah. Another thing I really like too, though you like you said, you put the time and the effort and that's why you know you're going to get a good duck call when you buy your guys' calls. But the other thing is, I really, I love your logo. I love that you have it on there. It's not just a solid color. And it's not all about that, but it is something definitely eye-pleasing to look at, I think. And then the colors that you come out with too and and the blends of colors, I just, I think you make an amazing duck call and the sound's amazing too. You put that one video, a little clip on Instagram, that is uh, says who else enjoys a strong north wind, and those calls, those five calls you have on there are just, I just, they're beautiful looking calls. So, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I think you guys will. Are you on Facebook too? Yes, yes, we're on okay. Facebook. Yeah. Uh, what about your website? I don't want to steer them wrong if it's if I give them the name. Are you? You obviously have a website too. Where I mean, where's the best place for them to order calls if they want to look you up? Yeah, uh, EliteCalls.net is our website. That's the easiest place to order from. And um, our phone number, if anybody needs to has any questions or, you know, we can take orders over the phone or if you have any questions about our calls, anything like that, give us a call at the shop at uh, 501-207-2994. Perfect. Now, let's um... – you had mentioned uh, some stuff that you got going on in the works right now that you're, I don't know if you said you're partnering up with someone doing some stuff. It sounded pretty interesting. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, man, there's a, there's another company here in town that um, I met this gentleman and he, he has made, he has a company where for years he had made actual homes out of the, um, out of the shipping containers, you know, like you mm-hmm. see on the container ships, you know, the, taking those containers and most everyone by now has seen a home that's been structured by one of those or, uh, and, and some people may have hunted out of a blind that's actually made out of them, but he's wanting to really get into the hunting industry and, um, I mean, kind of consulting with him and we're going to do some sales. We're going to work on this together as far as sales. Um, and it's a product. I don't like selling anything that I don't, that I don't really like, you know, mm-hmm. it's one thing. I'm not a natural salesman by right. a trade. I could never sell cars or do something mm-hmm. like that. But um, he makes hunting cabins out of these things. And, and the thing I really like about the hunting cab- cabins is that, you know, they're movable. They're they're going to be they're, – they're smaller. You know, you can get them in various lengths, you know, like a 20-foot to 40-foot uh, length. And you can put 
what your your necessities in there. You can have a television in there. Um, you know, he has he has chairs that he makes that'll fold out into a bed, and you know, you've got your you got your kitchen. You've got um, you got everything that you need when you're out there in the field. And you know, so much, so many times we hear about people's hunting cabins getting broken into and stuff. Mm-hmm. You can really things up and make them where it, it would be really, really hard, super hard for someone to break into it. Um, you can even take like your side by side, your four wheel or whatever, pull inside of it, lock everything up. And then you could put it on a hunting lease here. And if you get a, a lease in another area later, you can move it, you know, you can move this thing, put it wherever you like. Uh, those things are really awesome. And the other thing that we're working on right now, uh, we're in the, uh, we're actually going to start, uh, this week, next week, constructing, uh, our first pit blind, uh, mm-hmm. you know, duck and goose pit. And I have seen these things made before, uh, we've got some ideas to make ours a little bit different, hopefully better than other things that we've seen on the market. But, uh, for any guys that's hunted in one, you, it's just amazing how comfortable it is. You're in a, you're in a pit blind. It's almost like a little mini apartment underground mm-hmm. that you low profile the the birds are not going to see anything on the outside you're such a low profile you're hidden as well as you can be hidden in a blind to shoot out of you but you are so comfortable inside put a kitchen in there where you can cook your breakfast you got room for a lot of hunters it's just an awesome thing and i'm really excited to be a part of this wow do you have any how soon is that coming up or do you guys have a site going yet or how's that gonna all work right now um we're trying to get get uh, get our design uh, our, our design fabricated into the first one, and we're going to take it to the uh, the Ducks Unlimited Expo coming up in April. Oh, wow! April the eighth. We're going to try our best to have have it ready, everything fabricated to show people uh, coming up in April in um, in Fort Worth. So that's that's the goal. Uh, but we're definitely not going to put it out there until we've got it perfect. But we think that we can have it by then. Wow. Man, I I I've, I've talked about going that to that with a friend too. I'd really like to go to one. I have not traveled nowhere near enough for those kind of events and things. It's just not only all the stuff you get to see and know that's dedicated to waterfowl hunting, but also the fact of all the people that you would just get to meet itself. I think that's that's worth its weight in gold right there. Absolutely. But um, um, now. This may be too hard to explain uh, just talking, but can we kind of dig into a little bit on the details on making a call? I mean, how in the world, as many duck calls are out there, there's so many new companies there all the time. I've, I've had tons of people reach out to me, say, hey, try this, try this, try this. And, um, of course, we're really big fans of J.J. Lair's uh that calls is what I really like to blow. My brother blows as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like what, how in the world do you get the setup and the rigs and all this to, to make it the way that you wanted it? Is it all just about a, a machine you order and then you do some design in the computer that creates it to do the cutout? Like what goes all into making a duck call? Like how you want it? Yeah, well, you know, we pretty much we we started with a basic design, and I had some some good friends that um, that did a lot of uh, machine work, CNC work. Uh, Adam Lock, Rob Watts, those guys had a had a shop out here, um, and so we we 
we just started tweaking. We we took a design that we liked and just started tweaking the our baseline call to to shape it into what we wanted. And you know, you you get into a lot of guys want to debate. Um, you know the the call making where guys are using the band saws and a jig and things like that, hand drilling these things. And that is some awesome craftsmanship when guys are doing stuff like that. Mm. We did a lot of the work with CNC equipment and the advantage that you get with CNC is the adjustments you make. Like right now we're running calls out here in the shop and I will go out here and measure. We, we have a design and I take calipers and I'm measuring. And when something needs to be adjusted, we're making offsets and we're talking about a thousandth of an inch is where we're dialing everything into, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. we make adjustments in thousands. So we're talking about the width of a human hair mm. and we can just precision dial these things in. Like I said, I'm not, I don't like the whole, some people are like, Oh, that's CNC made. So they don't value it as much or they don't value the other as much. I mean, I think there's, when you look at the craftsmanship of a guy that's making them one at a time by hand, I think that's amazing. I think it's great. Uh, I love working with the CNC stuff because it. I'm a sound guy. I want that sound to be 100%. I want this call to be just as good. You know, the call that I make right now, the one that I make two hours from now, I want it to sound exactly the same. And that that type of precision that you get with the CNC equipment is is just it's just incredible to me. I'm glad we have people on this earth that are smart enough <laughs> to make things like that. Yeah. Uh, that we can that we can do that kind of work with but um you know really it's uh the calls my calls have evolved over time the the design the first call we made was was the freak and the freak design that we're turning out here right now is different um it's just over time it's evolved and every year you know we blow the calls we hunt with them and we think, well, maybe we could do something here. Maybe we could tweak it here a little bit. So over time, the years that I've done it, all these calls have evolved into what I feel like is a much better product. One thing that we started really doing last year, we, we took um, almost all of our calls, everything except our cut-down models. We now put spit grooves in the tone board, uh, which helps to offset the moisture locking of the call. Uh, that was a huge step for us mm-hmm. and we had to make other adjustments to compensate for the change that putting the spit grooves in the tone board made. We had to do other things to the call to compensate for it, to get, to get the back pressure right and different things. But that's the challenge and that's the fun. It's, um, it's, it's frustrating. It, I definitely am going to live a shorter life because <laughs> the that duck calls <laughs> have made for me trying to dial them. I tell people sometimes you, you make an adjustment, everything goes smooth and you're so proud and you feel so good about yourself that you made this perfect. And sometimes you're so frustrated. You feel like you just spent an entire weekend just trying to nail jello to a tree. You know, you can't, <laughs> get, you can't get it right no matter what you do, but uh-huh. that's the, that's the fun of it. And, um, I just, man, I love, I love working with those machines and dialing that in and just trying to get that, that perfect sound to make that perfect call, you know, that we all dream of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's a lot, a lot of details and work going that nobody knows about. I think half the time, 
But that's that's amazing. Well, let's hear um, what was a couple stories. I'd like to hear a couple stories from your duck season this year. I know you said since you own the business and everything, you don't get out there as much as you'd like to. But I'm sure you've had some pretty. You had to have had a few, one or two good hunts out there this year. Oh man, we did. Um, gosh, um, I think about this season. There are three things that really uh, come to mind. Um, the first thing was I. Um, well, I'll start with the biggest thing. This, this to me was what meant the absolute most to me uh, this season. We have a group um, that we I, I try to to do things with as much as possible. You know, usually at least once a year, uh, where we're taking some uh, wounded veterans out mm-hmm. on a duck hunt. And I love to go. I'm not really the guide. It's a, another place. They have their guides. Uh, they pick the locations and they set everything up, but I get to go and blow a duck call for them. And that is always such an honor. And, you know, I mean, we, you know, like all of us, you know, we look at our servicemen and we appreciate so much, um, what they have done. And I understand that you, you're, were in the service yeah. yourself. Yeah. I was in the well, army. Yep. In the army. Well, thank you, sir. Very much thank for you. your, that's much, much appreciated. But getting to take these soldiers out and spend time with them is such an honor. We got to, we took a team of, uh, I'll say a team. They may have been from different teams, but they were from the West Coast, actually. Uh, Baby seals that came out this wow. year. And I to, uh, got to hunt with them. Uh, we made them some calls, engraved the, uh, the, the trident on it. And, and, oh, wow. uh, that's awesome. So much. But what an honor to get to, to hunt with those guys. So that's my that's my number one memory from from this season. Um, another thing that I did just uh, just for me, and, and a lot of people are gonna think that this is really strange. You know, everybody dreams about the um, the new shotguns that are coming out. They look at what's mm-hmm. the what's the newest, the latest, and best from the major shotgun companies. Um, but I'm kind of the opposite. I have always dreamed of going out and hunting with an old, uh, side-by-side shotgun. Yep. I had never, had never shot one, never had one. got a couple in my collection. My dad's got one that, uh, had hammers on it that I just loved. I mean, I just dreamed of shooting that when I was a kid, but it wasn't a functioning gun. He does have an LC Smith, but I don't want to go shoot that LC Smith. I, I just got that in my collection. That's just a little bit too valuable. But um, I bought, uh, I found a shotgun that's made by um, CZ. Actually, I think it's made by a company in Turkey called Hooglue, but it's um, sold through CZ USA here. And I'd seen these for years and thought about getting one. And, I, and then when I decided to pull the trigger and get one, I couldn't couldn't find one so about midway through the season i got my hands on one it's called a hammer classic it's got it's a side by side got functioning hammers but it's got a lot of modern stuff on it you know screw in chokes and things like that yeah the gun is a little bit small for me i got to get some adjustments made but being able to go out there and stand in the timber and shoot an older style um side by side like that was a lot of fun now, i admit my shooting was not the best i have yeah. got to I've got to get this gun fit to me and I've got to get to the skeet range and spend some time out there this summer. But it was a lot of fun getting to, to shoot that gun a little bit more of a challenge, you know, thrown into the middle of the, of the duck season. Um, and then the third memory, and here I was with that side by side one morning. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm probably going long winded no, and giving no. more for, but, uh, just had an experience this year where we were out, um, we were out there in the flooded timber and hunting on the river and, um, 
uh, just out there with a couple other guys, uh, a couple other people, and and man, some ducks that got up. I don't know, they're coming from a field somewhere, but it was one of those things where just the sky absolutely filled up with ducks, and we started calling to them, and one group breaks off and comes in and lands, and it just it just starts where once that first group came in, all the others came in behind them, and it's just like. I don't know. It's like someone just pulled a drain plug out of the sky. Every duck that was up there just started falling in and landed right in the middle of our decoys. And, you know, you've got the water filling up. you got ducks hovering over the top of other ducks trying to find a place to get down. And, you know, just sitting there watching that. It, it's It's been several years since I have landed that many ducks at, at one time mm. into the hole. And um, just just getting to see something like that is just that, – that's, that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps oh, you going. Man. Yeah, it was just a just an amazing morning. Uh, no doubt, I <clears throat> that's one thing. I've watched lots and lots of videos of birds dropping down through the timber, but it's one thing I haven't experienced in person yet. That's on the old list to do one of these days for sure. That's, I mean, it's I guess it feels like if I'm not mistaken, once they cut that treetop and and commit, it's it's pretty much game over for them, huh? Yeah, it is. Once you get them down below the trees, once they once they come in, it's close range. Um, a lot of easy shots once you get them down there, and you know, and you you like to be able to get them down all the way to the water. And the cool thing is, like you know, when you get you get a small bunch in, you know, you get a lot of scenarios where you got a big group, and you know, one or two will come in and land, and you're waiting on the rest of them to come behind. Well, that one or two that's on the water, you got a limited amount of time because you don't get those others to carry up and commit, those two are going to look around at your decoys and they're going to figure out something's wrong. They're going to see somebody move. They're going to see the dog move. They're going to see something that's going to scare them off. But when you got that big flock, like what we had that morning, you get enough ducks on the water. They look around and all they see are other ducks. So they just relax, you know, and they're just totally content. And as long as you don't move or you try to call, you know, at that point you're done calling. You're just sitting there. You're just an observer at that point. Um, just to get and sit and watch that, you know, so this, you spend the rest of your time watching the new ones come in and you're looking for bands while they're coming down. You're <laughs> checking see if you can see a banded yeah. duck when he's coming down the land, uh, hoping that you see one, pick him out. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's, that's, uh, you know, I know some people get to the end of duck season. They're like, oh, I'm ready for a break. I just, this, you know, I have hit that sometimes. And I don't know if that's because not having as good of hunts or just being plum worn out but i really was not ready for season to be over this year and i think part of it was because we had it we bought a duck boat at the beginning of this year and boy we utilized that thing more than i thought we would for sure i it was just it was a blast and and opened up a whole nother land of opportunity for us but i miss it but uh it's kind of neat because the job that you have every day that you go in is that's just it's you're somehow some way involved with that calls talking duck hunting i'm sure and from what it looks like on instagram you have a really really neat looking shop and showroom correct yeah we have a we have a showroom and yeah it, you're, what you're talking about is one of the things i think i love so much about it my duck season never ends and it's that way and that's why i would encourage anybody that you want to get into competitive calling or something like that I felt that way with competition calling. I felt like my ducks, so, you know, I might not be out there hunting ducks, but I'm blowing the duck call all the time, trying to get better, trying to work on it. So, and you don't have to get into actual competitive calling to do that. You know, just if you take the off season to focus on what you need to get better at, like I said, I'm 
my off season is going to be, I've got to get this shotgun adjusted and I've got to get to the range. I did not shoot as well as I want to shoot this year, especially with that new gun. So I've got some work to do. I've got some time to put in. So I think anytime you can find something to work on in that off season, whether it be your calling, your shooting, whether you're training your lab, whatever you're doing, do find something that makes that duck season seem like it lasts all year. And, and that, to me, that just makes it better. Yeah, I was going to ask you for a, a good tip for um, a beginner, but I think that right there really answered it before I even had to ask it. So I, I could honestly go on for, for a long time with you, uh, Brad, and I, I appreciate you so much coming on here. But we're going to end this. I would like to have you back on again. I'm sure everybody else listening would love to hear. There's so much we could talk about, but we're hitting close to an hour right now, and I know that doesn't always matter to everybody. I think podcasts are great because you can have – one, two, three hours, but I appreciate you opening up your, your window of opportunity to come on here and speak to the audience and everybody listening to myself. And I wish you the best of success in your business, which you don't need that. You're already doing well anyways, but everybody go check them out. Elite Duck Calls. Check out his YouTube channel, Brad Allen. Go watch that competition like I'm going to go do after this and see how that whole thing played out. And, uh, I guess we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for coming on, Brad. Man, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate you having me. And while you're checking out that YouTube channel, we've also got an instructional video called The Art of Flight Control. Got an hour-long thing from basics through advanced techniques, teaching people some tricks of duck hunting. And so maybe that'll help some of the listeners out as well if they're trying to learn how to call. But, man, thanks, Tyus. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an honor to be uh, on with you, and I really enjoyed it. It's my privilege. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>